The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week of every year, we work our fingers to the bone to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. <clears throat> so a few weeks ago, we were kind of having a joke between the listeners, me, Mike, about why my voice sounded like it did. And the joke was that it was to be blamed on the Canadian forest fires. Well, today it actually is to be blamed on the Canadian forest fires. It's uh, it's bad out there, folks. Eyes are burning, throat hurts. Yeah. So forgive any uh, anything that sounds like I might have a cold or something. I do not. It is uh, thanks to those out of control Canadian fires. Uh upcoming event that I wanted to let y'all know about if you're in the greater Cincinnati area or could be uh, on next Thursday, that's July the 6th, uh, Cincinnati Rhea is having its annual picnic with a purpose. The purpose, uh, bring your family, get to know your fellow real estate investors, talk about real estate, eat food. It's, you know, it's all good relationship building and networking. Now that meeting is free and open to the public, but to get the location and to register, you need to go to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. Obviously we have a limitation in both the number of people the shelter will hold and also and the amount of food that we've ordered. So we're cutting off that registration at 100 people. But whether you are a member or a guest, you are welcome to go to CincinnatiRia.com and sign up for next Thursday's real estate investor picnic with a purpose here in the greater Cincinnati area. So um, not being one to ever leave any thought incomplete, uh, I was... Um, Looking at looking at the shows over the last couple of years, and I ran across one that we did about a year ago uh, with Lindsay Jensen about master leasing. And I remembered having had a conversation with her before we uh, did that show where she said, you know, really the most important thing people need to know is not not the deal structure so much as it is they have to be good property managers. They can't make any money in master lease type situations without being good property managers. And I thought, you know, we never actually followed up on that. We never actually followed up on what does that mean? Like how, what, 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 what specifically do people need to know? And so um, today, over a year later, 
<laughs> We're going to finish up that discussion, which, by the way, you can find on realliferealestate.com if you're if you're going, I, I would like to have heard that real life, real estate.com. Just search, search the name Lindsay and you'll see it. It's from February of 2022. Uh, so Lindsay is joining us again today to talk about what, what, what it means to be a good property manager, what, what you're looking for, what you need to do. Uh, Lindsay, welcome to real life, real estate. Thanks for having me, Dina. I'm glad to have you back and I'm glad to see that you're on the schedule for the 2023 National Real Estate Summit, too. That's your... It'll be awesome. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> I know it's not your first time attending, but it's your first time being a presenter, so that has got to be it exciting. Is. So Yes, it's very exciting. I thought it was a great event last year when I attended of my own free will, and I think it'll be even <laughs> more fun being able to be a presenter. <laughs> that, so- that sort of sounded like you weren't attending of your own free will this year. I know. Year. <laughs> that's true. It does. No. <laughs> Still of my own free will, but like... I didn't have to do anything last year. I just got to enjoy it is what I really meant. So, and it was great. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it and I'm glad you'll be back this year. And, uh, those, yeah. those dates again, listeners are, uh, because I've said them like for the last four weeks in a row and some of you are like, I got to write that down. Well, this is your chance. It's November 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th here in Cincinnati. And you'll be hearing uh, more about how you might be able to get a cheaper tickets than other people as a real life real estate listener. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So, um, Lindsay, for the folks who did not get the chance to listen to the previous show, uh, let's go ahead and talk about what it is you do, where you do it, why you do it. Sure. I'm an all-around investor. I do a lot of creative deals, but one of my best um, sources of income and deals is master leasing. And so master leasing is where... And so, and just to kind of clarify, I am not a property manager. I call myself a landlord because I am not licensed. So absolutely licensed people can do master leasing as well. It's just a slightly different way of doing property management. And you don't necessarily have to be licensed to do that. So I would rent from an owner and then sublease to a tenant. Mm -hmm. And there's, they can listen to the old radio show that we did. There's multiple reasons why some of us believe that that is a better way of doing things. Um, and it's better for the owners. It's better for us. It's better for the tenants. But um, but that, that's one of the things that I do to bring in extra money and then also to, you know, cut myself into deals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's, there's an awful lot of people out there right now who uh, maybe sh- should be selling their properties or even kind of want to sell their properties, but they're not selling their properties. And in the the case of the kinds of folks you work with, the reason normally comes down to capital gains taxes. It normally comes down to, I've owned, I've owned this thing for 30 years. I paid nothing for it. Now it's worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if I sell it, I'm going to pay tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in uh, capital gains taxes. And so I'm stuck. Yes. Either that or they owe too much on the property. And this is a great way to get your foot in the door with taking care of it for them now when they can't sell. And when they're able to sell or it makes sense for you, you can make them an offer. Mm-hmm. And you're, I, I tell people all the time, I actually get master leases by telling them hey, when you're ready to sell, I'm a buyer and you don't have to go anywhere else. I'm more apt to buy if I have my tenants in the property than someone else's. 
and they love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm already putting something in their brain saying, I'm going to buy from you later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this this show is is uh, it's kind of a follow up to what we did before. But anybody who owns any rental owns it, controls it, wants to needs to be listening in because one of the things we're going to talk about is that you actually take care of a whole bunch of units, 70 of them. Yes, I do. And yes. and most people would hear that and go, oh, my God, your life must be terrible. It must be like <laughs> nothing but dealing with drama and, and rent collection and everything else. But you do it in a couple hours a week. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I that, do. so you, you folks who do own rentals, you know, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break after which we're going to dive into property management with Lindsay Jensen. You can give us a call at 877-772-9658 with any questions you have. Again, that number 877-772-9658, or you can send your questions to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today uh, to Lindsay Jensen about something that a lot of people a lot of people are avoiding having cash flow properties because they've heard such nightmare stories about things that tenants do in those, in those properties. And they, 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 they'll say things like, well, I'm going to get rentals when I can afford a paid property manager or, I'm never going to get rental properties because I never want to deal with the hassles that I have heard about. And Lindsay is not, she's not a property manager in the sense of those guys you pay 10 or 12% of your net rents to, or your gross rents to manage the property for her, for you. She's a property manager in the sense that she owns and or controls properties that she is kind of self-managing. So she's property managing. She's not a property manager. So, Lindsay, let's just let's just start with why is this important? Like, why 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 is it important that people actually put some focus on the idea of becoming a great property manager? I think there's a couple different reasons. Um, I think because number one, especially for those that are getting started in investing, I have done so many deals and gotten so many deals that were impossible for other people to do because I could manage the property myself. And also because it is a great way to get income and learn about real estate, um, but make money while you're doing it, while you're controlling these properties from other people. So it's, it's just a great way for beginners to get in and, in my opinion, learn faster about real estate as a whole. They can earn money along the way, and then they can cut themselves into deals. I being a good landlord has literally made me millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, you you had you had said before that you're not a property manager. You don't have a real estate license. You don't really do that quote for other people. And I'm I'm Correct. I'm thinking that the folks who didn't listen to the previous master leasing show might be a little confused at this moment because you did say. It's it's other people's properties. I am leasing them from mm-hmm. them. So correct. so effectively, you're the tenant. I'm the tenant, correct. And you have the right to sublease through your lease. 
Yep. So exactly. So what what you're doing here is not taking other people's properties and saying, "I'll manage them for you for a fee." You're saying, Correct. "I will I will pay you this much per month." And then if I can yes. sublease and get more money per month, that's my profit. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay. So so more of a more of a principle in the transaction even when you are not the owner of the property. Exactly. Correct. So to, to pull pull the pull the band-aid off here, how is it that you have 70 units that you're managing and you're doing it in 2 hours a week? Now, that's not to go without saying that I don't have some I have an assistant that helps me full-time to do that, mm-hmm. but what I want people to realize is that it you it's teachable. You do not have to be and she does this from the Philippines. So I'm not paying an arm and a leg to get this stuff done. It is just the small stuff that I don't want to spend my time doing anymore um, and stuff that's very, very teachable. I still actually really love being in contact with my tenants. Um, I enjoy my tenants. I know one year I told my husband, I believe most people are good. And it's my tenants that make me feel that way. And I'm getting choked up. But I truly, truly care about my tenants. Um and they make me believe in good people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge mindset shift for so many people. Mm-hmm. Your residents are not your enemies. No. <laughs> they're, they're, your, they're your customers. And there's, <laughs> yes. there's, there's, it's a two-way well, relationship. As a, as a matter of fact, we look at them as employees. Hmm. We put them in the house to do a job and that is to take care of the property and pay rent on time. And that is another mindset shift. And someone blew my mind in 2016 when they said, what is your biggest asset? And most people will say it's the house. That is not true because even if that house is paid off, if it just sits there, is that your asset? (laughs) It's the tenants that pay the rent that are the assets. Mm-hmm. It's the tenants that pay the mortgage that are in the asset. They're the ones taking care of the property. So treat them like the asset. Let that mindset shift happen. And a whole lot of new energy is going to come out of you working with tenants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're probably very clear with the tenants that you put into houses that they're you do two things. <laughs> you pay your rent <laughs> and you take care of the house. And then yep. I do a bunch of things, which is, you know, I, I assume you do if the roof leaks, that's not their problem to right. take care of. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, yeah. And go ahead. So some of the stuff I do is I want them, I tell them I want them to make this their home. Um, I want them to feel like it's their home so that they stay for a long time. My tenancy turnover goes way down so I make a lot more money when that happens I do take care of them on the rent increases so I don't I don't I'm not gouging people and I also tell them look you with permission of course you have the right to make this home yours and improve upon it and when you improve upon it yourself and put the money into it yourself you get to enjoy a better home without the rents going up in the same amount they would if the owner was to do the same thing. So you get to enjoy a better home without the rents increasing the way that they would. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, if you send me photos and brag on yourself, I am going to remember that at rent increase time and 
you're going to be the one that gets to not only stay there, but we will take care of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a big, it's a back and forth for sure. The better I give them the house in the beginning, the better I take care of the things that need to be taken care of for people to live in a nice house and happily, the more they're going to be more willing to give me that house back in more than perfect condition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to, I want to go back to this two hours a week thing and, and ask you what, what you are doing during that two hours a week versus what your VA is doing the other hours of the week. But first, and I apologize for this, Lindsay, we have to go <laughs> to the phones and talk to Bill from Georgia. Oh, no. <laughs> Bill, welcome Hi, to Real Life Real Estate. We're, we're good. I am doing, I'm doing good. And I have a question for Lindsay. And Lindsay, I really need you to help me settle an argument I'm having with my wife. And I'm pretty sure that my opinion is 100% right. But who makes the better landlord, men or women? <laughs> I have a mentor who's going to kill me for this, but women, no. <laughs> no, I think that I honestly think either one can be a great landlord. I think women can have a a sense of understanding that sometimes men don't always have and a way of dealing with people that is a little bit softer, but that's not all that it's not everybody, but I, I definitely think that they both have it in them. My mentor taught me how to do that. He's a man. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely think there's a, a softness that women can get, can bring to the equation for sure. And by softness, you mean we're not ready to go to war every time a, uh, tenant you know says something says something unreasonable right we try to say absolutely let's let's talk that through let's uh tell tell me tell me tell me where you're coming from on that instead of oh Mm -hmm. like heck you're gonna do that to me you're you're out of here right yeah well and it's interesting although i have a lot of tenants that are men a lot of times especially if you're dealing with families there's a lot of women you're gonna deal with and boy do they open up to me and when they trust you they you're like friends for life. So, um, and I think it's easier for these women to open up to me as a woman than maybe they would to a male, especially about certain things. So there's definitely some advantages there. But thank you for that amazingly awkward question. (laughs) Well, uh, well, unfortunately, this is once again, my wife is right and I am wrong. Once again. I, I I don't even know why you bothered to call. You could have just you could have just put it on Facebook. Is Kim right or am I? And not even told said what the issue was, <laughs> and you would have gotten the correct answer. Great show, y'all! Thank you very much. Thanks for calling, Bill. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Uh, if you have a question, maybe not an awkward one like that, eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or uh, you can also send it to askvina at gmail dot com. So, Lindsay, back to this um, heavenly idea that you have 70 units, which I assume are making you a ton of cash flow and kind of letting you live the life you want to live. Your your assistant is doing which part of the property manager uh, management, and then what are your two hours a week spent on? So I feel like my most important part is, um, taking care of the tenants when they need to be heard. So, 
for the most part, the to-dos, maybe setting up maintenance items or calling the vendors that I've approved or the tenants do a lot of that, but sometimes there's hand-holding or questions that need to be answered or as to what person to call or maybe a vendor has to talk to the property manager even though the tenant has called them to set up the appointment. She does things like that. She also runs all the applications, makes sure she knows um, when people, when the leases are up and sends lease renewals. So just all the little back-end to-dos. She just runs the back-end of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the front-facing with the tenant stuff, that's what I do. And I like that part. So that's what I continue to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is... What is the first thing that's, uh, let's say I'm, I'm, I I bought a new rental or I master leased mm-hmm. a new rental or whatever. What is the first most important thing I need to think about now with this vacant house that I'd like to turn into a not vacant house? Well, I think you need to find, I don't, you either need to learn to self-manage, which I highly recommend, or you find someone who really knows what they're doing. I have taken over properties from other managers or landlords that, I mean, we're talking, I walked into them and walked right back out and called the owner and said, I can't rent this. This has got to be renovated. Um, Stories of these landlords lying to people to get them into the property or not letting them see it and making them sign a lease because um, there's five other people behind them, which in this market, if you have a chance to sign a lease, and you're having trouble finding a house, you just do that. But then they get in there and it's rat infested or something like that. And I'm not joking. These are real things that happen. And you don't want your property manager or the person that's working on your behalf to be doing things like this because you can get sued. Don't think that what the property, if the property manager is not doing something right, it stops with them. It doesn't. It will go back on you. Mm-hmm. So one of the nice things about me master leasing, theoretically, the buck should shut should stop with me because I'm a principal in the transaction. So I should be able to shield. Um, if I do something wrong, I should be able to shield the owner from any of the wrongdoing and it should stop with me. Um, and so that's called vicarious liability. So just understand that just because you hire somebody, you better do some checking around to make sure that they know what they're doing, that they're ethical, that they're doing things right because it can come back on you. And I think the next part is find out what all their fees are because there is a lot of fees that they charge besides the monthly amount. Um, and people don't realize it till they're already in a contract. And so I think it's wise to go on the internet and find, you know, lists of questions that you can ask these property managers. Like, what are your extra fees beyond the, the amount you charge me monthly? And ask them how they handle certain situations. Like, if someone has an animal that they're not supposed to have, how do they handle that? How do they handle it? How do they handle inspections or do they do inspections? Um, how do they handle it if the tenant isn't paying or if the tenant breaks something, are they responsible for that or is the owner? Because, I mean, my, um, I know somebody that had a, a rental and the tenant kept breaking the, the appliances and they kept sending the bill to the owner and they're going wait a second at what point are they liable for this mm-hmm. and so you need to find someone who's going to hold the tenant's feet to the fire and then you're also going to need to find someone who really works at the upfront um 
someone that does all the upfront work that they need to do to put a good tenant into the house. Mm-hmm. The cheapest eviction is don't put the wrong tenant in the house in the first place. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, yeah, so so Lindsay, we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to explore this. What do I need to do if I'm going to be a great self-manager question? Listeners, you can call in with your questions at 877-772-9658, or you can email them to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Lindsay Jensen about how to be a good self-manager. And I, I, it's funny, Lindsay, I was talking to somebody last week. I don't remember who it was, but they were buying, they were contemplating buying their first rental property. And they said, um, so do you know a good property manager? And I said, why do you need a property manager for one rental property? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you know, I don't think I want to get involved in all the tenants and toilets stuff. And I said, okay, you are not going to be able to hire a good property manager until you've been a property manager. Oh, such a good, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're, absolutely. You're, you're not going to understand how things should go. You're not going to know what your own uh, criteria are for uh, tenant screening, you're not going to know when you see a tenant application what things on there are going to tell you that they might be successful versus they might fail in your agreement. And uh, it's really not as hard as you think it is. I think they were perceiving they were going to spend 10 hours a week managing their one rental property. <laughs> so oh, gosh. If that, I hope not. If that happens, you're doing it really <laughs> wrong. I mean, could could, could that happen? Maybe. But uh, yeah, you, you've really messed up if you... Spend if you spend ten hours a month managing one rental, you have messed up somehow. So before the break, we were talking about. I, I kind of posed the question as, okay, I've bought a rental property, and now what do I need to do? And and you said the first thing you said was educate yourself about how to be a manager. I would actually move that to back before I bought the rental property. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's too late for some people, but. Like that, that's something that I would, I would definitely uh, study in some detail before I uh, bought the first property. Cause once you bought it, you are into management like <laughs> that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's not, that's not the, that's not the day to start deciding to learn it. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think another thing that you said, uh, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm summarizing here, but, um, I've got my rental. Now I need to make it a good house for somebody. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, whatever mm-hmm. needs to be done to make it a good house, not a, not an adequate house, not a, well, it'll do <laughs> kind of house, but a, a, a good house, right? Like, like yeah. meet, meeting or exceeding the expectations, which, you know, it's going to maybe change a little bit from an A-class property to a C-class property. You know, I, I, I don't know that tenants renting a, you know, what would well, be a $1,100 a month house here are going to get excited about granite countertops they'd <laughs> probably rather have really no, good and i don't i don't think you have to go that far it doesn't have to be the best of everything in the best neighborhood like i do have some in mediocre neighborhoods i don't go into ones where i would be afraid to manage because i don't want to take care of the tenants that would be okay living in those houses that are in scary areas does that make sense mm-hmm. if you're if it's in a terribly scary area you're going to get probably some scary tenants so it does matter a little bit where but for the most part, you can go into some lower, not 
as great neighborhoods that are maybe just older or, you know, it's an older but quiet uh, rental area or home ownership area. There's a lot of those. So that's fine. And then just make it so that everything looks nice. Don't make it look worn down because then people won't care to keep it up. If you give it to them where it's painted, like I tell the owners that I, when I take on a new house and I walk through and they've painted over the, the nails in the wall and they leave them there, I said, here's the deal. Please take those out and patch the holes. Here's why, because I require it of my tenants. And if I give it to them like this, they're not going to listen to me when they move out. Mm-hmm. And so I said, it's my way of taking better care of your property for you. And they don't mind at all. Um, it, it's a little bit more work up front and it's a minor thing, but I promise that will make a difference on how the tenant leaves the property afterwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So everything looks nice. And let's just in case, in case the listeners aren't assuming this, everything works. Yes, it has to. Windows need to open and lock. Doors need to open and lock and they need to be sealed from the weather. I mean, little stuff like that actually makes a huge difference in the quality of tenant that you're going to get and how they're going to take care of your home for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Furnace works all the time. Yep. <laughs> Central yep. air works all the time. Furnace yep. works even when it's 20 degrees below zero outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, roof doesn't leak even a little. <laughs> you know, all, yep. All exactly. Of, all of that stabilization stuff. There are, there are no roaches, like not, 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 well, there's, there's a few. There's, there's zero. <laughs> Zero. Zero pests well, in the house. Well, you see a few, there's a lot more behind those walls. Let's put it that way. So. <laughs> there's, there's not even a little patch of black mold anywhere in the house, right? Like everything is exactly good, stabilized, yep. working, attractive, etc. Yep. Absolutely. And then yep. your, your next job is to put somebody in the property that is going to um, sort of share your your stated values, which is your job is to pay your rent and also take care of the property. Meaning, there were no holes in the wall when you got here. There need to be none yes. when you leave here or anytime I come in here. So I tell, I quite literally tell my tenants when I do the lease up that I do not accept normal wear and tear. I want you to leave this as nice for the next person as I gave it to you. Meaning, if you have to paint a wall to keep it up paint that wall and I do tell them like I will tell you what colors are in here so that you know like it's not like I'm giving them free reign to paint whatever (laughs) they want but um but yeah that's I specifically tell them that and they are okay and they're okay with that and they love it because I'm also giving them the freedom to take care of the property for instance if the heater goes out and they can't get a hold of me, which happens to people all the time with property managers, they have the power to call a certain HVAC company that I have pre-approved and get it taken care of. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so not only am I on call 24-7, but they can cut me out of the process and get something taken care of so that they're comfortable in their home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is your what is your perfect resident look like? Like, how would you know, how would you know when you saw their paperwork? Like, oh, this one's, this one's the kind of person I'm (laughs) ideally looking to rent to. It's funny. I was just teaching some people this this morning. So the things I look at first is making sure that the very first thing is making sure they make enough income, which for Colorado right now can be three times the the rent. 
so you also have to know this for your area. You have to know the laws for your areas because there's different laws for how much you can require. But um, I like to see somewhere around three times the rent price. So if it's 2000 they need to make at least six. Um, so that's my first thing I look at. Then I go look at how long do they want to stay. I love it when people write 24 months plus or as long as you'll let me or uh, like stuff like that piques my interest really quickly because I want someone who's going to stay there long term. Next thing I look at is did they move around a lot or have they lived in places for a long period of time? I want the people who want to stay for a while. So I want people who don't move every single year. Um, I like, I'm trying to think through the application of what I look at, employment, stable employment. I look for stability across the board, no matter what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I look for little comments that people put that make themselves stand out from the rest. I want people to, I want people to call in and say, hey, I really want this property. I want them to sell me on why they should get it. One of the things that's different on our application than most people's application, we actually ask, like, what tools do you own? And what skill sets do you have? Like, are you good at electrical? Do you know anything about plumbing? Do you, like, do you have a lawnmower? All those good things. A vacuum so, cleaner. Um, yeah. That and was... if they mark no to all those, like, I mean, I'm going to be a little concerned about how they live, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so these are the main, these are the very first things that I look at that tell me if someone's going to be a great tenant. And I look for little things that make them sound like they want to make this their home. Like one person I put in recently that turned out to be a great applicant, her thing was, I just want a place where I can have a garden and an area for my dog and a safe house for my daughter. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so simple. But when people put stuff like that, they want to put down roots. And that, that matters because it means they want to take care of the house. They want to stay there a long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, and I've noticed that when I look at my at the profitability of my rental houses, it's the ones where people stay a long time that make the yes. most money. And even though, you know, I don't I don't raise my rents to market every year, especially not in the last mm -hmm. few years when that would have been, in some cases, adding one to two hundred dollars to a eleven or twelve hundred dollar rental property. Because I know yes. <laughs> that a, that a move out probably means there's going to be some cost to turn over and clean things up and whatnot. Yeah. And it's literally, you know, I might if the if the rent's gone up 125 bucks, I might raise it 50. Yeah. Because the rest yep. of that is going to be paid for by them not moving out. Um, we need to take yeah. a, a another quick break talking today to Lindsay Jensen. I keep wanting to call you Lindsay Lohan, and I know that's terrible but I, I, I figured i figured if i if i said it out loud if i said it out loud then i wouldn't do it <laughs> Lindsay, you're so funny Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay jensen when we come back we're going to talk to Dwayne, who's calling from st louis and we're going to pick up our uh questions out of the inbox at askvina at gmail.com welcome back to real life real estate investing talking today to Lindsay jensen talking generally about just property manager philosophy <laughs> more so than anything else. Yes. Um, we're going to go to line one and talk to Dwayne, who's calling from St. Louis. Dwayne, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Lena. Appreciate it. Very welcome. Do, do you have a question? Okay, my question. Yes. Yes. Uh, other than the accolades that both you and Lindsay are really, really great, but <laughs> what do you tell a newbie that, because 
I still work with newbies, and when they say, okay, how do I get this fixed? How do you tell them to, to develop their own maintenance team? I'm happy to share my contacts, but like uh, you said, by letting them manage themselves for a couple of years and probably a couple of units, you'll learn so many terms. But in the meantime, contrary to what people tell you, you just don't go out and hire a whole team of people to do this because you've got cost and quality and things like that. So what would be the suggestion as to how do you approach it with newbies? So, so how to tell a newbie how to build a team because they're going to need one because if you're in the rental business, you are also in the repair business, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yes. So, and you, so, you put that so nicely because you women do better. I know that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're so kind. This is going to be a thing. <laughs> I know, right? So um, here's the thing. I, I don't have my own maintenance team. I find vendors that I like and trust. And that is an ever-changing thing, to be honest, because there's people who fall out or move or – and it is. But um, there are certain people who have stayed on my list for a long, long time, and I give them all my business because if I know that I can trust their prices, they're not going to try to sell my tenants that the heat exchanger and the heater is broken or whatever – and that they need a new furnace, and then I have to get someone else out there to get a second opinion or whatever. I just know that they're going to go out there, they're going to do their job, I'm going to get charged fairly. Those are the people that go on my list. So back to your original yes. question is how do you build that? Well, I'm going to tell you um, next door is one of my favorite places for finding great contractors, fairly priced, and people that want to, they want work and they're willing to work with you. And when I start working, if, if they do the first job that I've hired them to do and they do a great job and they charge me fairly, and you'll get to know over time what the prices are like, but um, then I tell them, look, I'm looking for long-term relationships. If you treat me fairly, I manage 70 units, and I want to – and I know not everyone's going to have 70 units. I didn't start out with 70 units, but I've always maintained the same kind of conversation. And I just say, look, I'm looking for long-term relationships. I will pay you quickly, and I always do. I don't take 30 days to pay them. I pay them immediately. And I say, I'll pay you quickly. I won't question you, but I need someone that's going to treat me fairly and do the job they were hired to do. And if something happens, you'll go back and fix it. That's, it's very simple requirements. But I let it be known right away. And um, And before I've paid them $600, I make sure I get, you know, I always work with people who have insurance. I make sure I get their W-9 up front because once they you that they've done the job and you paid them, it can be hard to get that. And I make sure and I get um, any other kind of workers' comp and stuff that I may need as well. Um, but that's how I build it. And you'll, you'll hire some people and they won't work out and they go on your bad list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of yeah. just have to work through that. But over time, you'll get quicker and quicker with – who's going to go on that list and you'll build it slowly, but surely. Oh well, yeah. All that. Plus if you happen to have a good real estate investors association in your backyard, yes. that's one of the best uses of your local real estate investors association is uh, go around and ask people who they use that they would recommend. I think that's where I've gotten just about every contractor I've gotten in the last 20 years is just, Absolutely. Going to going to other investors and saying, who's your roofer? Do you like him? Yeah, generally speaking, that's what I do and I have done. But I just had an experience with a uh, 
maintenance company for appliances, and they were so horrific, and they were touted by the group as, hey, these guys are good. They were terrible. Oh, so, but I mean, you can't you can't get them all, I guess. Yeah, see, all. yeah, yes. I would have asked I would have asked other people who had used them what they <laughs> what they thought they of claim, them. They claim that they claim that you know every what because I make a list during the calls about anybody that they say is good. So, but the thing I didn't ask was, did they do it on their own house or did they do it on a rental? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I well, should have asked that. Thank you, thank you for your question, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Thank you, Vina. And we're gonna we're gonna now dive with like five minutes left. Uh, dive into the email box, which is uh, full of questions, mostly about master leasing, Lindsay. So you, you, you <laughs> not shocking. You, you definitely you definitely need to, to you know cut some time out of your Aria Summit presentation to address this because people are very interested. Um, this is a, a couple of these questions are around some confusion about, so you have leased from someone else and now you are subleasing and there are, Correct. there are a couple of questions, uh, kind of along the same lines, which is, doesn't Lindsay have to deal with the tenants and toilets who pays for that stuff? Because you are not the owner, you know, there's a, there's an owner. <laughs> so does the, when, when there's a, when there's a repair to be made, uh, whether it's a, you know, furnace goes out, roof goes out, um, I don't know, bush needs to be dug up because it, it died over the winter time. Who's actually paying the bill to the contractors to do that? So that depends. If it's over a certain amount, a lot of times I will have the owner pay it to the contractor directly. So for instance, I just had a contractor go out and look at a couple roofs because Colorado's had a ton of hail. And both I, I managed two for this particular owner. And um, the both of his houses had, I mean, we're talking massive hail damage, broken skylights. And so in this circumstance, the I love the contractor. I've worked with him for years. I always refer him to my owners. He will meet their insurance agent out there. So in this case, the owner will work directly with them and their insurance to get all this taken care of. And they just let me know updates. And if I have to, if there's something where we have to deal with the tenants, they will let me know. And I will tell the tenants because my tenants and my owners do not talk. Um, I, I tell my owners that takes my power away. I need to be the one to deal with the tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I deal with that. Now, on the smaller side, um, I have like a stock loss agreement with my with my owners. So a lot of them, some of them are five hundred, some of them are a thousand, a lot of them are fifteen hundred because those those people want me to be able to maybe replace a hot water heater without calling them and saying, "Hey, can I do this?" Mm-hmm. So anything up to that stock loss, we'll just say it's a thousand bucks. Anything, any repair that needs to be made under a thousand dollars, they just trust me to make using my own judgment, knowing with my success with my own houses and what I've promised them I'll do for theirs. They just trust me to make that repair. And then I pay it, but it comes out of an amount that I have set back from that owner mm-hmm. as reserves in my account. And then when the new rent comes in, the reserves get replaced. And I, I put it on the um, statement that I send to the owner that that repair was made. And that's why they are not making as much that month. So mm-hmm. they don't get that amount paid out. Mm-hmm. So technically, it's always the owner paying for it. But I may write the check sometimes. And mm-hmm. sometimes I step out of the way and just let the owner and the contractor do their thing. 
Okay. So uh, we've, got, we've gotten a couple of questions from David, who's in California, that I, I think are around the idea that he wants to master lease properties that are not where he is. And is is that something you even recommend? Like, would you recommend that David live in California, but master lease properties in Florida, for instance? So I understand the thought process as why he wants to, but it's not necessarily something I recommend, especially if you're new to it. And here's why I built up my business in Colorado Springs, which is my own backyard. Pueblo is only 45 minutes south of me. And I actually, in order to understand the area and possibly invest down there, I took on some master leases. Um, it's not my favorite thing in the world. It is very hard taking care of property from far away. And I for sure would not do my own if I was investing in another state. Like I would find someone else that understands master leasing, follows the same principles I do, and that's who would take care of my properties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Lindsay, unfortunately, we are out of time, and I'm actually leaving a couple of people's questions in the inbox. But uh, next week is Q&A week, and these are both questions that I know how to answer. So uh, Kathy and Mary, we will get to those next week. Uh, don't forget to come to the National Real Estate Summit here in Cincinnati, November 2nd through 5th. Um, there will be more information about that. Uh, we'll say next week. We'll tell you next week how to get some tickets to that. And uh, we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>